What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 8 to 14, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 17th year of marriage. So yeah, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood. And I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fatherhood matters. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and to have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is Mike McCarthy, and we discuss two things he does with his family that are not extremely difficult, it doesn't take a bunch of time, and it doesn't cost any money, but they could change the culture of your home in a powerfully positive way. They are the family morning routine and the family meeting. These are things that I've done to some extent with my family, but not to this level, not with this intentionality. I will be implementing several of the nuggets that he shared with me today. Enjoy this conversation with Mike McCarthy, embrace it, enjoy it, and then go live it out. All right, here we go. Another episode of Fatherhood Field Note. Really been looking forward to talking to Mike McCarthy. Mike, what is up, man? How are you? Doing great, Ned. Glad to be here, buddy. Yeah, i am really been stoked to talk about fatherhood with you, so thank you so much for your time. You and I met at a Front Row Dads event, so shout out to that whole tribe. It's incredible. And uh, yeah, I was just really intrigued by you, and so wanted to uh, talk fatherhood with you. So to help people just get a little understanding of who I'm talking to, I'm just going to rapid fire a few things. Where do you live right now? Uh, currently, I'm living in Silverthorne, Colorado, but we split our time half and half between here and Austin, Texas. Okay, right on. And then how many years have you been married? I've been married for, it'll be 14 years this September. So we're 13 years now. So nice. Yeah. nice. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. And then how many kids do you have? I've got two kids, uh, a 12-year-old and an 8-year-old, a little boy who's 12 and a little girl who's 8. Not nice. so little, actually. <laughs> yeah, I like the baby fat starting to be gone. I, my youngest is eight, too. And it's like she's just starting to not look like a little kid anymore. It's, it's happening. Uh, yeah, love it, though. Um, okay, and then what do, you, what do you do to provide for the family? So when you're not being killer dad, what is it that you're out doing? Yeah, so I'm the regional operating partner for Keller Williams Realty. So we closed uh, nearly 20,000 homes last year for sale. And um, I've helped develop and sell uh, all of the franchises in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware for Keller Williams. And I continue to operate that region and lead those franchisees in that territory. Nice, man. Big undertaking, I'm sure. A lot of homes. Crazy, all the homes still being sold during all this, uh, this times right now. Yeah. We just had our, uh, our best year ever, despite what was going on. So it was quite a dramatic shift from what we were talking about in April and battening down the hatches and, you know, thinking things were headed the wrong way. So it's, it's been a great year. Nice. Fantastic. When you think about fatherhood, you know, you've been through a couple of stages, baby stage, toddler stage, elementary, now you got a middle school age. What's been the best resources for you as a father? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, my wife and I co-authored a book called The Miracle Morning for Parents and Families. And I would just say anything that you can involve your kids with, whether it be the miracle morning or, you know, goal setting or masterminding, whatever it might be, I think it's just, uh, you know, taking whatever might you might think is just for adults and then sharing that with with your children. We've had a lot of luck with that. And then another thing would be um, our kids go to an Acton Academy. And by far, that is the, the perfect situation for our family and for our children. It's, um, it's, it's forward thinking. It's not the same old institutional education. Uh, and they, they really have to manage each other and the school um, themselves as students. So it really is an empowering place to be. It's more like a um, mastermind group than, or even like front row dads than it is a school. They, they very much operate in, in, in a, in a much more fluid way. Yeah. Incredible. We just moved three of our kids to Acton this year um, here in uh, Placer County, Matt Boudreaux, shout out. Love it. Love it. My kids love it. Um, they were so eager to go back yesterday cause they were just on three, three week break. So yeah, killer. Yeah. And it's cool as I've connected with other dudes who are really engaged in fatherhood, the, the way that you even bring up your kids' education and schooling, you know, like you don't necessarily find that a lot where the dad is involved or paying attention to that. So just huge encouragement. Dads don't think that that's just mom's role to do the school thing. It's not, you can get out there and have a say. And, and I mean, I'll just, dude, I made this decision on the acting and our whole family cried. My kids cried. They thought they were going to a different school. I mean, it was a big deal, but we're uh, a few months into it and it's just been so good. So. Yeah. You, you, you reminded me too. The greatest resource I have as a father is actually mom. So I just want to put that out there. I've got a wonderful wife and she's an amazing mother. So man, yes, it is definitely team effort. No doubt. The moms make us look good for sure. Um, what do you think the role of the father is? So if, if in a couple sentences, when you think of your role, what does that role look like? I mean, for me, it, it revolves around equipping my children for life, you know, and, um, that, you know, for me is about helping them to understand that they have all the answers and wisdom they need within. Um, and that, um, being fulfilled is when your, your passion and your time, how you spend your time are aligned. And I just really want them to be children who are able to find their passions and spend a lot of their time doing their passions so that ultimately they can be fulfilled and I think a big part of that for our family is being servant leaders and giving back and making sure that they are not only looking out for themselves, but looking out for each other and looking out for others in the world as well. Yeah, man, that's super good. When you say servant leaders, what's, uh, what's something that you guys do to mimic that for your kids uh, now? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that, that we do quite a bit of is um, because I'm a co-founder of a mastermind group called GoBundance, um, we do a lot of family um, events for that group. Obviously, they've been a little bit slow lately, uh, given the current uh, circumstances with COVID and everything. But, you know, one area that we've encouraged our kids to show up, which is, is it's kind of a, an interesting approach is that 
we've encouraged them to serve other families that are their peers and to show up to those events so fully um, that they participate not only themselves at a high level, but they also make sure that everyone else feels comfortable and welcome and is participating. So that's one area of service for us is around um, around fam abundance and how we all show up as leaders of that group. And it can be a little challenging because it's a lot to ask an eight-year-old and a 12-year-old to show up as a leader to an event. So it's a lot of discussions around what that looks like and a lot of talks afterwards about you know, how did we do and how did we all show up? Because um, myself included, you know, we all have to show up ready to ready to get business done and and get the most out of that that time together. So that's that's one area. You know, my son also is working this year on writing a book called The Charitable Kids Club, which is going to be about giving up uh, a story for kids about giving your birthday up to charity, meaning instead of asking for presents at your birthday party, asking everybody to donate to a certain charity. So he's done that every year and he's really actively encouraging others to do that. But we also go to, um, you know, front row events and write letters and support recipients um, for, for our buddy, John Roman, who, who's, as you mentioned, the founder of the Front Row Dads where we met. Um, but his, his uh, charity, Front Row Foundation, is a wish organization. And so they have needs uh, for capital and money and also uh, to write letters to recipients. So that's another thing that we've done. And then we also participate in a, a group called One Life Fully Lived, which is, um, is a nonprofit around helping people to live their best life and specifically targeting underserved um, uh, youth and individuals who just have never had access to that type of motivation and inspiration around them. And, uh, you know, we're always thinking about ways we can go and do other things to volunteer and uh, fun runs and do things like that that support the community. But yeah, and more, more important than anything is how we show up as servant leaders in our own home. So, mm-hmm. you know, we expect um, as part of our Miracle Morning, um, the kids do their charms. If you know the Miracle Morning, the adults do the savers, but the kids do the charms. So it's creativity, health, affirmations, meditation, um, uh, reading, meditation, and then service is the S. So every day, our kids, they have to do their Miracle Morning before they can get any screen time whatsoever. And one of the, the, uh, the, the, the pieces of it is that service. So they have to have done something to support our family or the household or another member of the family before they can access that precious screen time. Man, that is incredible. So many, so many things that we could talk about. Um, but the miracle morning, let's talk about that for a minute. You co-authored that book. Um, we, you know, and, and just to go back, you know, you said, don't, you you said this at the beginning, something about not, uh, just letting the kid be a kid and not thinking that they could participate in things that work for you as an adult. Right. And, and so clearly you talk about the miracle morning, but also, you talk about your fan abundance where you're asking your eight and 12 year old to step into the role versus waiting till they're at some appropriate age, right? Maybe they don't know exactly what to do at eight, but it's allowing you to have a conversation with them and they're showing up with a sense of, I'm not just showing up like every other eight year old. There's something different here. And so you're allowing them to grow into that with, with expectation. I think that's fantastic. You know, and sometimes I think 
just as human beings, as parents, you know, we see our kid, you had made the comment, you know, my eight-year-old's not so little anymore. You know, I still treat my eight-year-old as the baby sometimes. And sometimes that bites me in the ass, right? <laughs> but uh, working on not, right? want to treat her like she is, I'm equipping her for life. So back to the miracle morning. Um, kudos on taking something that worked for you and implementing that with your, your own kid. So what's funny is I have kind of felt like I didn't want to do that because I know my kids are going to push back on me. But last week, last week we watched the miracle morning movie because that was a great place to start. So I had all five kids and my wife sit down. And so then we scheduled like two days a week. They're going to do the, the miracle morning, you know, moving forward. But I didn't even know about the, the charm right? So now I can take that and something that is a little bit more equipped for kids um, and do that with them. So yeah, yeah, good luck with that. It's it's really fun. We're, we're looking at maybe adding to that book this year, maybe doing a second, a second um, revision of it, because we, we, we wrote that book, my wife and I, when our kids were, I think, four and eight. So you just imagine what we've learned about doing the Miracle Morning and even just parenting in general in four years. Uh, it's a lot. So we're, we're hoping to update that with some of what we're talking about here today. So, yeah. So what would you, if, if a parent's going, man, it's even, well, I say, if we were to say it's hard for me to get up, we'd say change that right off the bat. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's not, you know, like right now I'm about to implement doing a miracle morning with my kids, having them wake up and not just eat, get your clothes on, let's go to school. Um, what would you say is kind of some of the first steps, uh, we'll run, read the book, I'm sure, but what are some steps you would say to create a great morning routine with your kiddos? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the key is to make it fun. I mean, for kids, if it's not fun and it feels like work, they're out right away. That's when you got to start pressuring them into stuff and that's never fun for anybody. So I think it's, it's, it's lining up and understanding whether you do the savers with them or the charms, you know, both are amazing uh, ways to approach it. But, you know, actually going through each one and saying, okay, well, well, what do you want to do during this time? What would most serve you? What are you interested in reading? What kind of meditations would you want to do? Do you want to just sit there in silence? Do you want to look at an, uh, an hourglass as, it, as the beads of sand drop away? Um, do you want a guided meditation? Um, and what do you want to do for your health? You know, that the, the, um, the H and the charms is around health. So it's a little bit of exercise, but also did you get, are you going to eat a great breakfast today? Cause we could count that too. Cause kids are pretty active. They don't necessarily need to go to the gym and work out. Right. So it's just, it's just finding out and having them sort of live into the future of why this is going to be fun. And I think with kids, what really works is always giving them a lot of options, because then they can pick the thing that they want to do during that section of the the charms or savers. And since they've picked it, number one, they don't have to be thinking in the morning, well, what am I going to do for this one? They've already got it lined up. Um, and they, they've already sort of said, this is what I want. So when they're feeling sleepy or like they don't want to do it, it might be easier to get through that first step. And then they're fully alive inside of the charms after that. Um, you know, the other thing I would do is don't always do it on a day when they already have to get up early too. Like I would let them do it on a Saturday or a Sunday. Maybe if you're going to have them do two days a week, maybe you start with letting them do one of them is Saturday or Sunday and they don't have to get up early. One of the things that I'm not 
um, fully on board with is having to get up as early as possible and seize the day and put in the work, you know, ahead of time. I need to sleep. Sleep is really valuable. I don't sleep that well. I sleep pretty good, but I, I already get up early enough. What, what I want to do is sleep as late as I can have my day stacked so that it starts with enough time for me to get up, do my miracle morning and then go do it. So it doesn't have to be this torturous. I got to get up four hours before I want to. And I only get four hours of sleep and then I grind it all out. Like I, I think Hal would agree that living that way is not that healthy. And um, he's changed his approach in, in, in that regard a lot of recent years too. So Man, that's really such a great point to make, you know, because so much of the the conversation out there is like, you only need, you know, six minutes of sleep and then wake up at 2.15 a.m. and then do all this stuff. So, and and I guess for an extent, I'm being drastic, right? But for an extended, uh-huh. for a short time, you know, and you're trying to accomplish something, maybe that's great. But I think that you could create your day where it doesn't have to be you're getting up at 4 a.m., you know, or 4.30 morning. So I think that's really good because like for me, I don't mind getting up early, uh, but my wife isn't so into it. So creating your life where that doesn't mean you have to get up at four, you could get up at seven and still do the things that you want to do before the day starts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a good way to approach it. So then with the charms, how much time does that take roughly? You know, they're pretty quick about it. You know, they probably finish their charms in like 20 to 30 minutes. Perfect. Yeah. And they're really, you know, they, they have their affirmations memorized. So what my wife did early on is she created a book just using paper, like stapled it together and wrote A at the top of a, a page, B at the top of the next page and so on all the way through the alphabet. And she went through and they picked a word together for each letter of the alphabet. And so the kids are saying, I'm amazing, I'm beautiful, I'm, I'm, I'm calculated. You know, they've got this whole, that's probably more me than them, but they, they go through this whole 26 um, I am statements with the alphabet. So that's how they do that part of it. But yeah, I mean, some of it's really quick, like the affirmations take less than a minute because they've got that, got that down. Um, and, you know, health is usually them just eating breakfast. Sometimes they'll do the seven minute workout app with my wife, which is fun. They'll all be doing pushups and stuff together, um, which is pretty cool. But yeah, it goes pretty, pretty fast. Um, it doesn't, doesn't have to take a lot of time. Dude, what a great nugget. Just that whole last like five minutes, uh, talking about the miracle morning and just timely with what I'm doing in my own home selfishly, but hopefully everybody else, you know, I would just say everybody listening, go Amazon has the miracle morning. It's two ninety nine, and it's a great way to really introduce it. And I thought it was just done so well to introduce the benefits of, I don't even want to say, I mean, it, it is about your morning, but it's really about taking control of your life and not just letting life happen to you. So I don't yeah, know if you have- go, go watch the movie that I, that wasn't around when we got started. So that's the perfect way to get a family started on it. I would say the second thing you would do is buy my book, but the first thing is is to buy Hal's movie. That's a great, great advice. Yeah. Killer, killer. Okay. Well, the podcast is fatherhood field notes and we're doing it already, right? We're just opening up your field notes, opening up what your family's life looks like and just kind of digging in and all getting to learn and grow from that. The mantra behind the whole thing is rebel and create. 
And I've always been a little bit rebellious. I think most of us dudes, we want to have a fight to have, but not for the sake of tearing something down just to be destructive, but to create something out of it. So when you think in your world, what's something that you've been rebelling against? And it could be something like I'm rebelling against being on my phones on Friday nights to be with the family to, you know, to have family night, or I'm rebelling against this belief about entrepreneurship or manhood or whatever. So what are you rebelling against and what do you hope to create out of that rebellion? Mm, what a great question. You know, a couple of things come to mind. I mean, the first would just be the simple idea that our children are our greatest teachers. And I really believe that. And so the idea that I'm rebelling against there is that I am the leader of the family and I am the father and I am the all knowing and I have all of the wisdom and you all need to do what I say and I'm the, I'm the powerful one. And I think one of the things that I've been pretty decent at doing is giving as much power back to my children as I possibly can. And so there's one incident in particular when Tyler was about four or five years old, where we were in the garage playing together. And I had a moment of clarity where I decided to just say, with, say to him, Tyler, thank you so much for coming here not to our garage, but to earth. So it's a little deeper conversation. And, and for being here and being my son, because you've taught me so much. And I've learned so much by being your father. In fact, one of the things you've taught me that I, I appreciate the most is about love. You've taught me how to really love in a way that I would have never been capable of doing before you came along. So thank you. And I went to hug him and there was a stepladder already out in the garage where we were talking. He, he walked up the stepladder and gave me a hug while standing taller than me. And mm -hmm. it was just something that I'll never forget because it was this role reversal where he felt so proud that yes. he could teach his father something. And so I think we just have to be really careful about just in life in general, thinking we know it all. When really, it's who, whoever's the most connected to source and spirit and the mm. most free of all the baggage, they probably got a line on some information and some yeah. creativity that, that we can't even touch as adults. Um, so that's one primary thing that just popped into my mind is, is around that, that piece of letting our children have the power. And you know what? I think as I hear you and I'm just nodding my head and just feeling like, uh, I mean, yes, that my kids have taught me so much, but as a father and as a man, it almost takes the pressure off a little bit to think like, just cause your dad now doesn't mean you have to have it all figured out. And when you act like it, it kind of just makes you an asshole, not a, a student. Right. And so thinking that, Hey, you're always a student. Your kids have a ton to teach you. And I love what you said about them not having the same baggage as us, and, you know, like the crap that we have had to see in some instances that helps us to teach them. But in some instances that holds us back from really gaining all we can from these guys, because there is just such a purity about a kid and their innocence, you know, and how much do you and I just, I want, I want to play in that space all day, you know, as much as possible. And they allow you to, if you choose to embrace that. Yeah, it's something we have access to. And, you know, I, I think that a lot of times we do have a lot of baggage and we, we think we see the world clearly, but we see it through every experience we've ever had. And eventually it becomes 
uh, more cloudy than we want to admit. You know, we're we're more we have we're predisposed to do things in such a certain way. It's almost like the elimination of free will in some way. If you get into the deep philosophy of it, it's like at a certain point your behavior is so predictable. It's 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 unrealistic. Like it's mm. it's, it's not healthy really. So you know trying to allow my kids to be the leaders of, of, of how do I stay in the moment and see things fresh all the time? Cause that's what kids are, are just so great at doing. Yes. So as a, I mean, clearly you've spent time thinking about this. How as a father, do you stay present? Right. Cause like you just said, kids, kids don't really have to try <laughs> to do that, but we are so predictable too much in the past, too much in the future. How do you stay present? What are some of the, the, the tools you have used to do that? Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you have to remain present and open while being, having any kind of quality time with your kids. So, I mean, that's one thing is like scheduling and making sure you have that quality time, because if you've got that time and you're just with them, they force you to be present in a lot of ways. Like, and, and, and I'm either present or I'm about to yell at them for some shit that I shouldn't even be worried about. Right. It's like, I'm either present or I'm worried about their future. Right. It's like, it's very, it's very easy for me to, to feel in the moment if, if I'm not really there or not. And it'll be because I want to react to something or correct something or, you know, um, point out something. And really you know, then I'm in teacher father mode. And really, it's about how, how long can I let them lead and, and, and show me the way, you know, one of the things I try to do, too, is um, a lot of times, I'll be the one hurrying us on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And I realized that as a father, yeah. and I was like, I need to stop that. What if I just stayed doing whatever the thing was until they got tired of it, and then we moved on. And so waiting to see like, is when it's time to move on, it'll be obvious if it's the voice in your head saying, let's go to something new. Let's do something else. Let's move on. That ain't presence. That's you getting wrapped up in your head because the moment when it's over, it'll be so obvious to you. You won't have a nagging voice in your head saying, come on, go to the next thing. Come on, come on. So that's one thing that's helped me. Dude, I needed to hear that because sometimes I just feel like I'm, I'm like the maestro. And so I'm always just kind of stepping back almost I mean, that's control really. Like, as I say it, it's not really, you're controlling the situation. And so, man, I needed that. That's really good. Just sit back, wait till they're done and then, and then move on. And you know what? That's hard for me is letting go like, well, if we don't make it to, you know, the dinner we had at six 30 or the, you know, if we don't make it to the ice cream place before nine, it'll close. And so I, I feel like I'm thinking about what we might maybe miss out on or not make it to. And so then you're just controlling the situation and not letting it flourish probably as well as it could. Yeah. And you just don't know what's going to show up. That's even better than what you were hurrying them off to. Right. It's like you might hurry them off to something, but Tony Hawk might show up at the skate park five minutes after you just took off. Right. I mean, (laughs) and isn't it crazy how really those best stories are the things that were just so random. Like we weren't supposed to be here. And then Tony Hawk showed up to the skate park. Couldn't believe it. And that's, and that, that comes from being present, not rushing through your day and through your life, which is something that I am constantly paying attention to. Uh, 
Oh man, so good. Okay. So one of the main reasons I wanted to talk with you is at the Front Row Dads event, few people had said how you've really been intentional with your family meetings. And it's something we've always done. And I know other families try to do it. And um, I hate the word try. So let's talk about the family meeting and what some of the things are that you've seen that work well, that don't work, how to shift, pivot, and make the family meeting happen. Yeah, awesome. Well, you know, you know what I'll start off with is that, um, I, you know, one of the things that I shared in the, the, the answer to the rebel and create question, it's really around how do we give our children a voice, right? How do we, how do we let their voice matter more, maybe more so than ours? How do we show them that what they think, what they say, what they feel, it really matters. And so, you know, one of the things that, that we did is, um, you know, one of the other guys who's in front, front row dads, his name is John Berghoff, and he, he leads an approach for leadership called exchange. And it's basically about how do you um, help a group create its future together and how do you empower every member of that group um, and, and as large of a group as possible to create their future together. And it's very much used for uh, helping organizations, teams, and companies come together to co-create their values and their visions and their plans for executing in the future. And I became a student of exchange because I was uh, at the time the CEO of GoBundance and I was leading these big mastermind meetings and I wanted to really master that skill. And during that time, I started thinking, well, this is great. I understand how to lead a world-class meeting and I'm doing it for my teams and in my organizations. And I looked up and I said, why don't I have any meetings for my family? Like what, what's going on? Like this is by far more important to me than any Mm. business I have. I have meetings, some of which aren't even there's, which aren't even good meetings, right? That I'm having all week long. They're maybe not good. Maybe good isn't good or bad isn't it. They're not necessary, right? Or they're right, longer right, right. than they need to be. There's all this effort put into all these collaborations, but um, my family wasn't getting that. They weren't. We weren't getting on the same page. We weren't creating values. There were no visions that were being formed together. And so we started bringing this work into our Fambundance events. And so I had a little built-in accountability. You know, I, I we can't show up not having done the things that we're about to right, tell right. everybody that they should do. So we started sitting down and in, in, in formulating our family values as the beginning part of our family meeting journey. And the reason is because I believe that if you're going to have meetings and you're going you're gonna to form a, a, a dynamic environment where people are collaborating you first have to understand, well, what are the principles by which we collaborate around? Like, what are our mm, guiding principles? Yeah, You know, because you could get together and have all kinds of collaboration and meetings and talk about your plans, but are you reinforcing who you want your children to become? Are you reinforcing who you want to be in the world? And are you, you each holding each other accountable for that and celebrating when you do? So we, we took a unique um, process through exchange, which part of the exchange approach is that all voices matter. And the more voices you have, the better outcome you're going to have. And so what we did is sit down and we formed our family values by exploring all of the stories of our family when we were at our best. 
What were our best adventures and vacations and breakthroughs and learnings and moments and traditions? And we just tore apart, like, and all of us came up with all of our favorite moments. And then we said, well, what, what, what were the, what were the words and phrases and feelings and thoughts that were present during that story? You know, what were the, 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 the key factors that led to that being successful? And we, we started putting all the words up on mm. a spreadsheet along with all the stories, right? So we Love got it. stories, we got words. And then what we did is we themed it all out and we created to start four values um, that our family lives by. And there, uh, a couple of them are servant leaders, present visionaries, playful adventurers, resilient warriors, um, and transformation seekers, and then accountable collaborators. Look at that. I got, I, I somehow got all of them, but that's our nice. six. Originally there were four. And then my wife and I started to realize that there were a couple things missing that we really wanted to instill in our children's nice. values. So, so step one to doing our family meeting was first forming our values as a family. And it's not, in my opinion, you see a lot of people form their values by just one word. It represents a value. We wanted ours to be much more dynamic. So I recommend that people use a couple of words as a title and then actually describe in detail, what does it look like when you're living this value? Like, what does it mean to live this value? And so we, we designed that as a family by enabling our children to have a voice into what our values would be. And that's something we then carry into the family meeting as we do those meetings, because we usually open with me reading the values and they read them back. Oh, cool. And so that's sort of step one of how we open up our family meeting each week. And we do this meeting um, either, either Saturdays or Sundays, and we're pretty good at getting three out of four weeks every month. So we, we're not perfect. We're not every single week, you know, like clockwork. But we hit most every weekend, so 75% usually. It takes about an hour. It it was more like 90 minutes in the beginning, which is a good lesson because the kids start to understand the game. They start to understand what they're doing. And so it might be a bit of a, a, a cluster in the beginning, but you just have to stick with it. By the way, some of our family meetings in the beginning were only five minutes because we just all started yelling at each other or getting you know, mad about something. <laughs> so it's like, but it's about whether you come back again the next week to do the meeting or not. And uh, so I could walk you through the, the format of, of, uh, of the rest of our meeting if you want. Would that be helpful? Yeah, that would be great. And I just, I want to point out, you know, I think the transparency of, you know, the, sometimes it just falls apart and it's a disaster, but the, the, the piece that I think the dad needs to know is the do it again next week. Right. Because it's that consistency for them to go, okay, dad's not messing around. This is something we do. And it's not, it's not some corporate meeting. This is the most important thing is our family and the direction of our family. And then I also love that you mentioned, you know, it starts off longer, um, but as you kind of get into the rhythm and people understand their parts, and it's not just about you saying what you want, what you're building, the purpose really a lot behind it was to give your kids a voice. Um, and then don't be hard on yourself. If you, if you're hitting 75%, that's better than the 0% you're hitting right now. So it's going to put you on a trajectory somewhere versus letting just life happen. 
Yeah, I mean, I passed college with a higher percentage or lower percentage than that. So <laughs> I, I count that as a pass. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I think, um, you know, one of the things I'll point out at the beginning, because I always get this question is, is about the age appropriateness. Like, well, how old should they be when I start when we start the meeting? And I would say that no child is too young to be exposed to meaningful conversations. No child Ooh. is too young to be asked what they think about something or what their opinion is. It, it's about showing them that their voice matters. It's about showing them that mom and dad and brothers and sisters, we have these powerful conversations every week where we shape the destiny of the family. And oftentimes people say, well, my kids won't participate in that. So what do I do? What, no matter what age they are, I say, that's great. You go to them and say, we're meeting at this time. And we're going to decide our goals and your goals. And we're going to decide what the family's goals are and what our destiny looks like next week, next month, and next year. If you'd like to join in that and have your voice or your opinion or what you want be included in our plans, then I suggest you come to the meeting. And you just keep on letting them know, like, we're, we're happy to plan everything without you. But what you'll find is that kids don't want you to plan shit without them. Um, yeah. They actually really want to be involved in it, especially if they know that it's going to be cooler and easier and more fun if they're involved in it, right? It, generally, what we come up with is hard, not fun and boring shit, right? So if they can be included in it, then that's going to naturally give them a reason to want to show up and engage in this meeting. And through osmosis or whatever you want to call it, they can start experiencing it, it at any age, in my opinion. So can you give me, before you give in the flow, like an example of your, you know, when you're, when your son is 12, so 12, 11, 10, whatever, like came up with something at a meeting that maybe surprised you, shocked you, put you guys on a different trajectory for your kid. I mean, I mean, he's writing a book right now. So clearly there's some ideas that have been, that he's, he's come up with, but is there anything you could think of that he came up with in a meeting that, kind of caught your attention? I mean, I remember in one of the meetings when, cause we go over one of the segments of it is to go over our high point moments for the past week and talk mm -hmm. about, you know, what's, what's been strong. And I, I just remember when Tyler went to the dentist and he was really having a hard time and it was challenging. And um, he actually said, in the end, that was a high point moment because it was a chance for him to live our family values as a resilient warrior. And we were uh, like, oh, wow, like he's paying attention. And yeah. our family values just helped him to get through a moment in his life, right? Ooh, so, yeah, that's powerful. That's powerful because if you're not if you're not saying those, planting those seeds, you know, in your kids' minds, hearts, what are they leaning on? Right. What is the foundation that they have when they're going out into the world if they don't have the guiding principle that you've all decided, right? You all decided what those were. So it's not like dad just passes this note here. This is it. Live by this. No, you got to have a say in this. So there's some buy in there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. And we've seen that through some other incidences where the family values rang true and carried us through some, some difficult moments. Um, I mean, even the family meeting when our Rottweiler passed away mm. it was on a Sunday, she hurt her leg running in the front yard. She was really old. We found out she had cancer. Long story made a little longer. She has to be put down. 
And, mm-hmm. uh, and so we show up back at the house and I'm thinking, there's no way we're doing our family meeting, right? I'm thinking, I've already cre- said, this is the best excuse, no family meeting. We're all just going to relax, do whatever. And my wife looked at me and said, but isn't this why we do the meetings? Isn't this when we need it most? And so we proceeded to do the meeting and it took on a very, Stella was our dog's name, mm-hmm. uh, life to it. And it really became about her. It was a meeting about us, but also about celebrating Stella's life. And instead of high point moments, it was, what are we, what are we, what are our best moments with Stella? And it just really turned all of our sort of melancholy sadness into connection and yes. and working together. So it's just incredible, you know, how this so far, you know, over the past three or four years has already had multiple times when it, it just helped our family to, 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 to get through something or to, to plan something for the future that we could all look forward to. That's another big part of it. So, yeah, I think, Really, you just made a, made a great comment that it created connection. And so I really want the dudes to understand that a family meeting is not dad spending four hours coming up with an outline to give a presentation. It comes back to the whole purpose behind the exchange model, uh, which you talked about, John Berghoff, is you're almost facilitating creating connection. And really, that comes from asking great questions, coming up with great questions more than coming up with an itinerary of what you're going to say and do for the 90 minutes or 60 minutes. And that's what creates connection between us, right? Is once a conversation happens and yes, sometimes it's hard to jump over that hurdle, but once you get going and conversation happens, then your kids are getting to, 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 to be heard. And isn't that kind of at the core, what all of us want as humans, like we want to be seen, known, heard, understood, believed in, and you're creating the space for that to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the number one thing is is everyone feeling connected. And from that place of connectivity, what what could be created, right? Because once there's connection, mm-hmm. now now we actually have fertile ground to plant seeds in and to really, you know, uh, you know, really have things blossom from that point forward. So, um, but I'd, I'd love to walk through just a couple of the yeah. components yeah, that we please. have. Um, so the first thing we do is read the values. The second thing we do is we do um, a gratitude exercise where everyone writes down why they're grateful for every other member in the family. Mm-hmm. So a key to doing these effectively also could be the simple act of having pen and pencil and paper handy. And understand that we allow and still do our kids to either write or draw their answers. So there's a little creativity that's built into that. And then what we do is we do like a gratitude shower on for each person. So let's say it's me. I'll say why I'm grateful for myself. And then every family member says why they're grateful for me. Then we go to my wife, same thing, then Tyler, then Ember. And so that's how we do our gratitude. It's everybody gets to hear why everyone's grateful. What we'll also do is if the thing that we're grateful for is one of our family values, then we also say, and you were, you were being a playful adventurer when you did that, or you were being a, and so we bring the values back into the gratitude. If it's, if it, if it's necessary, it's not required. After we do the gratitude piece, then we move to high point moments. So this is since our last meeting, what have been our best moments as individuals and as a family? 
And we all write down about six or seven, hey, we went skiing, we went, uh, we stayed the night at Kalahari Water Park, we went, you know, we went, we did New Year's Eve over at the Elrods, we, you know, we write, we write down all of the different pieces, and then we just go around and we share them all. And if there was a moment during the high point where we observed someone living the family values, we can say, and I remember Tyler was being a real, a playful uh. at that point. So now you're, you're looking for the values living in the gratitude and in the, the stories of when the family has been at their best. And so that's how the first sort of kickoff is those, those couple of things. And what's great, um, what's great about starting with gratitude and when you're at your best and, and, and the values is that now you've set the tone to really plan and look towards like, okay, now what are we going to do um, with the rest of this energy? Like I said, you've, you've set the groundwork to have this fertile ground to, to plant a seed into. So what we then do is we look at goals. So we start with what's everybody's uh, big goals. So everybody in the family has two to three big goals that they're focused in on. Like my son's now, is that right for, now, go ahead. Go ahead. My son's right say, now, is that for the year? Yeah, it's generally for the year, okay, but, okay. It, but they might accomplish it before the year's out and then right, set right. another one. So like right now, my son's trying to land, uh, wants to land a backflip on a snowboard. So that's, okay. that's on his list. Um, and then Ember's trying to finish a certain level at Acton and dream and a dream box section. So, um, and then Lindsay and I's are obviously, we've got a few more that are ones we share in there. Like I'm getting my personal executive administrative team in place this year. So that's like a big goal for me, but it's also, um, uh, taking it from what's the big goal. And then we say, okay, now what are our goals next week? So we all mm-hmm. write down and share what our goals are for next week as well. So what are our big goals? And then what are our goals for next week? And then we actually say, okay, let's go through the schedule for next week. Uh, let's just make sure Monday we have this. Don't forget Tuesday. This is going on. Remember, we're all going to cook together on Wednesday and we kind of just go through the week ahead. Um, once we've gone through that, um, what we'll do is we'll look at our family goals. So we have within the GoBundance pillars, there's six pillars like health, adventure, contribution, um, uh, finances. And within each of those pillars, we have, uh, a handful of family goals that we've set. So we look at that then together and say, hey, here's our family goal. We are supposed to exercise once a week. Did we do that? No. Okay. We got, let's see if we could get a couple in next week. When's our next family board meeting? Um, how many of those do we do? We, we kind of just flush all out, you know, where are the goals and what is, where's everybody at with it? Um, once we've gone through the, the family goals, we also look at what are our big future adventures you know, what's coming on the horizon that we've already planned. And in our house, we generally, although we haven't had this recently, because there's, we haven't had these big adventures to go on per se, but there's usually a countdown timer to whatever. Oh, cool. So it's, it goes day by day. Every day, the kids will get up and erase the whiteboard and write the next, you know, number in there. So whatever our next big family trip or adventure is, and we'll say, hey, what are some ideas for future family adventures that, you guys want to throw out there and they'll usually come up with an idea or two. And we're like, okay, if they come up several times, then we're like, I think it's time to go to Hawaii. Cause we all keep talking about it. Right. And then we put it, we book it together as a family. Um, after we've done that, my wife will actually break out their finances and she will show them 
how much they have in their save, give, and spend jars. And then she'll pull up um, their basically their net worth because it's like, here's all your money, right? Here's, here's your, here it is calculated. And she'll go over all of their stock picks and how they're doing. Um, she does all that with them and help, helps them pick stocks. And they, they've been learning about the market that way. My daughter actually is like double their money this year, uh, is way up. My son thought it was all going to crash. So he sold a bunch and uh, is kicking himself now, but these are just incredible lessons. And, uh, after we've done the finances, we all put our hands in one, two, three McCarthy's and the meetings over. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. So that's the, the, the general thing. We, we skip some stuff sometimes and we add in other stuff as well. And it continually evolves. Um, but, you know, the main piece to understand is that the kids absolutely have a say in this meeting. Um, we let them rename it. And then so in our family, it's called the dream session. So instead of saying, hey, it's time for the meeting, it's, hey, are you guys ready for the dream session? Now, in the past, it was always like eyes rolled. Yeah, I guess so. But I'll tell you that um, there's actually, after three years of this, there's no hesitation, no resistance. And we're, we are never over an hour and we never cut short of finishing the meeting. It always goes great. Now, maybe next week will be a, it'll go to, it'll be a disaster again, but we've been on a really lucky, you know, streak now. And maybe it's not luck. Maybe it's consistency, application, really persistence around, let's just, this is a thing. We do it. There's no argument. You know, none of us really want to do it when it when it's at the beginning of the meeting. But at the end, we're all like, yeah, I'm glad we did that. So I think over time, we've realized that the resistance you feel on the front end of doing it is irrelevant. It's all about it's all about just getting to that end result of connectivity and progress as a family. Man, Mike, that is such well, first off, just incredible. Like I, I it's really powerful. Um, but I think it's so rad too, just the vulnerability and whatever it's, you know, to share, Hey, this Sunday we might get a couple, Oh, you know, there's a little resistance, but it's like with anything good, right? Sometimes there's resistance when I'm going to go work out or go do anything. I are, we, we have to overcome our body's resistance or whatever it is. I don't know. But you said, you know, after three years, there isn't the eye roll anymore, right? There might be a little resistance, but there isn't the eye roll. But that's because you, your kids and you have seen the fruit of it, right? And I love too that your kids ate. It's not like you're saying, yeah, we have a 16 and 18 year old um, where then, you know, somebody's listening, go, well, my four and five and six year old, they really can't do this. No, no, they could do it. And then how powerful that you as the dad could just at the drop of a hat. Yeah. My son's goal is to do a backflip on a snowboard. And my daughter's goal is this, like you knew that. And I think sometimes as fathers, we aren't in tune with our kids the way that we desire to be, but it's only because we haven't carved out that time to intentionally even learn about what mattered to them. Right. We didn't create the space for our kid to tell us, you know, I want to do a backflip. And then you be able to say, okay, well, how do I support you? Or what does that look like or whatever? So man, uh, really powerful. And then again, just the intro to it is really sets the tone. I love the, the, do you call it a gratitude shower? Yeah. Yeah. We, we just call it, let's do our gratitudes. But today I, I named it cleverly just for you. I think Ned. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and that's what I think is cool is you just have fun with it. So Man, Mike, 
I just hope that everybody was pushing pause and play and pause and play um, and just writing that down because, you know, we've done a family meeting. We've done the gratitude thing, but only on somebody's birthday, you know, and I've always felt like it's pretty powerful. We're going around the room. Like, what do you love about, you know, Brody or whatever, but to do that once a week, I mean, wow. How to, how would you feel about yourself? Um, Yeah. The whole thing. I mean, just super thought out and thank you for your, three years of execution so we could jump in at the three-year mark and, and execute it well. So I, I appreciate that a ton. Uh, really, really good. Um, all right. Before I ask my last question for you, is there any any last thoughts, anything running through your head that you feel like you'd, you'd love to share about fatherhood? We talked about some pretty incredible stuff already. I mean, just back to one of my other points, just in that same vein is you know, this isn't for the kids. Like I get so much out of these. Mm. It's like, I thought I was doing this to be a good dad and be a good leader. And it was for them. But in the end, it actually is for me too. And I just think so Mm. much of parenting, it's, it's for you. It's to shape you. It's to, to evolve who you are as an individual more than anything else. And we just, we have to have such gratitude for our children for being that in our lives. Hmm. Yes. Oh, yes. Such an opportunity we have to be parents and to grow, right? And to to evolve, like you said. And and a lot of that comes through just submitting to that that role that you are as a father, as a parent. Ah, oh, so good. All right, Mike. I hate to do this, but here's my last question. All right. I hate to end the good conversation. So, last question is about legacy. You know, you have a you have an eight year old and a twelve year old, and imagine thirty years from now you are standing in a cul-de-sac looking into their homes, their neighbors, and you're looking through the window, not creepy, but you're looking through and you see them. You see how they're interacting maybe with a spouse, with their kids. What is the day in, day out actions that you are very intentional about? What do you see in their homes as you're peering at their lives? Yeah, I mean, I see them being kind and caring about people I see them um, checking their egos and, and going deeper and really, really understanding who they are and, and seeing them just proud and confident and, and standing in, in our family values. And I think that, that I would be beautiful if I saw them having their own family meeting, right? And mm. doing their own gratitude shower and, and using our values with maybe a couple of their own twists Um, to it but I would just that would be amazing to just see them having a meeting and really discussing things that matter and sharing why they love each other and just really having a deep and meaningful conversation as a family Mm, beautiful beautiful Mike ah thank you so much for your time I've loved getting to know you better loved getting to know uh the man, the husband, the father, the human being you are. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep inspiring the world around you and loving and equipping your kids for the world ahead. And uh, yeah, I just really thank you for the time today. It's been, it's been great. Yeah. Thanks, Ned. I really enjoyed the time. Appreciate the opportunity to share this. And uh, I hope I can impact just one family. It would all be worth it. Mm, right on. Thanks, Mike. Talk to you soon. 
What another killer conversation here. Rebel and Create Fatherhood Field Notes. Just loved meeting Mike. Loved learning more about how intentional he is with his family. How real, honest, straightforward he was. I learned a ton. I hope that you did too. Hope that you go and implement some of those things because they're very practical. And what great leadership that you and I have the opportunity to uh, do in our home. And simple tools. Now, if you can just get past the eye rolls and the we don't feel like it and get into it, I think I I know that it will create some incredible culture in your home. So Killer loved it. Mike, thank you. Every Monday, I'll put out the Fatherhood Field Notes podcast interviewing incredible dads like Mike. If you're interested in a shorter one, I put one out every Friday. You find in the same place, Rebel and Create, but I call it Craft of Fatherhood, and I'll just discuss a topic, okay? So right now, I'm doing a four-part series on planning for the year, right? It's January. So digging into that. I want to say thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. Please do me a favor, write a review on iTunes. It helps spread the word that fatherhood matters. Appreciate you, friend. Talk to you next time. Thank you.